Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Rotor Report Exiles Extra podcast in association with Hawks Breweries. I'm Brett Lines-Davis for Milton Keynes and this week on the pod we're talking about the lads' back-to-back wins over Ipswich and Rochdale. We'll be chatting um, some more about the International Fans Weekend, which one of the Exiles gang was actually part of. Uh, John Stacey catches up with Oxford fan George Elek, who's from Athletic and NTT20 Pod, plus your letters and, of course, playing away. This week, I'm joined by Martin Wanless, all the way in Australia. Good evening. Good morning. How are you, good Martin? morning, wherever time it is. It's, uh, it's eight o'clock here in the UK. What time are you over there? Excellent. It's seven o'clock in the morning. Yes, I've just rolled out of bed, had a very strong cup of coffee. Left the kids with some devices while I um, slope off to my deluxe recording studio um, to to talk to you guys. And slightly off there, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning it. What have you got to clean up once this is finished? There was some catch <laughs> What a fantastic start to the morning. Um, I've also got uh, Paul Hunter, who is in London. Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, greetings. Yeah, very good. Very good, Brett. Yourself? Good. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, mate. Good very stuff. well. Um, good. Obviously, you was up, uh, up Sunday at the weekend, weren't you, for the yeah. uh, Ipswich game? Back home, sort of showing my face the weekend. Yeah, yeah, uh, good to be there. Good for them to see me. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll catch up a little bit about that. Um, but first, I've got to introduce our third guest today. Um, now, you might have seen it um, out there on the social media. A fantastic goal was scored on Saturday during the um, halftime challenge. He is a giant among men. The fighting pride of Ireland. Michael, the Dublin Destroyer, done. How was your weekend, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Dublin Destroyer, that's a first. I really like that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, it was unreal. Great weekend, I have to say. Really, really good. Just about recovered now. Um, met all most of the Roker Report boys on Friday. And those lads can drink as well as I can, in fairness. So made a good a good night out of it. Yeah, so because obviously a lot of people have only seen like what stuff what's been put on social media. We've seen some like behind the scenes footage as well <laughs> in our WhatsApp group. And it, it looked like you boys had a very good drink up. You can always rely on the Irish for a drink up in fairness. <laughs> yeah, it was I was brilliant though, in fairness. Like the, the Friday in the fans museum was really good. It's just when you when you get to things like that, when you see all the fans that come around the world, like there was lads from Taiwan, Canada, um everywhere, Holland, Bulgaria, Denmark, you, you kind of just realise then how like how far and wide this club reaches. Like There's lads everywhere all over the world that the club means so much to, which was was a really nice part of it because you got to meet loads of different lads with loads of different stories. 
as some might have heard in that other podcast, but it was brilliant, yeah. Well, that's what was one thing I was going to mention, actually. If you've not heard the podcast about the International Fans Weekend, obviously listen to this one first, then listen <laughs> to that one. There's fans from America, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, Sweden, Bulgaria, Canada, Ireland, Malta, Holland. There's also uh, interviews from 73 heroes, Bobby Kerr and Mickey Horswell, and also lifelong fan George Forster as well. It's a really, really good pod. So, um, yeah, have a listen to that. But before anything else, though, Michael, you, you've actually done like a lot of our sort of boyhood dreams and that's to score a goal at the stadium of lights how was that moment <laughs> for you uh unreal uh first things first you don't realize how slippy that pitch is until you start running on it <laughs> but uh no it was class i have to say it was a really nice uh thing i think i've watched the video maybe back a hundred times maybe since i've uh, got home and i've also even went into school on monday first thing i did before i did anything was show the cold class the video as well so um, that was deadly but as I said before if I did that 10 times I'd probably miss 9 but uh, I'll, I'll take it I'll take it oh it's a superb finish going back to what Michael said about going into back into school on Monday and showing the class um, the video of him it's worthwhile pointing out for the people listening that Michael is a school teacher and not an oversized kid with an alcohol problem. <laughs> so I think that's probably worth clarifying to, to start with and by the way when I was when I was born yeah. Christmas <laughs> I think it's just worth you know for, for clarity when I was home at Christmas I went to Fans Museum for the first time and it, it is brilliant and I would say anybody who hasn't been there especially if you're making a trip up from outside the area go to the Fans Museum have a pint in there there's some cracking stuff in there mind absolutely fantastic is there a bar inside? there is I and me, me and my dad were sat there having a pint before the game and this um, old Scottish bloke just rocks up has, has a little bit of crack with us tells us how his um, right knee still Gives him jip from when when Norman Hunter ploughed into him, and of course it's, it's Bobby Kerr, and you just get these little little things. It's 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 brilliant. There is some great stories from there, and let's talk a bit about the football. Um, obviously, so we have, there was two games to talk about this week, and, and and six points, clean sheets. Can we really complain about anything? Um, I'm sure we'll find something to. But I say <laughs> no, so we'll touch very briefly on the Ipswich game. Obviously, so Paul, you was up there uh, yeah. for the weekend. So um, yeah, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, really, really poor first half. Probably the less said about that, the better. It was sort of, you know, like we'd never met before, to be honest. Awful. And then second half came out a lot stronger, a lot more intent. Uh, yeah, on the front foot. Didn't really create that many clear-cut opportunities. It, it had to sort of come down to a, almost a goal out of nothing, which I guess it, it was from Maguire. But yeah, no, you take it. You, you'll take the win. Pack three were reasonably solid. But yeah, we'll, we'll take it. A big three points. I probably would have been more critical if we hadn't won so convincingly last night, if that makes sense. I don't know if maybe we've covered this in the, in the main pod, but I think, okay, the, the attacking Gooch Maguire has been really good, but I think Parkinson deserves a lot of credit for what have we got the best defensive record this year in, in England, I think, in 2020. Could be wrong, but I think that's the case. I, th- I saw the other day, well, before yesterday's game, yeah. sure, I said that McLaughlin had the most clean sheets in yeah. the country, this like in 2020. So, yeah, that's only gone up over the, over the last 24 hours. So And the fact that we changed from a back four to a back three, not only pre, like mid-season, sorry, but mid-crisis, really, like, you know, after the Bolton game on Boxing Day, to then switch to a back three, which Jack Ross had a full pre-season trying to get right and couldn't do. Uh, I think that's gone a little bit overlooked, really. And I think he deserves credit for that. No, he has done, actually. And one thing I'll, you know, is, 
isn't getting the credit he actually deserves. Because I know one thing me and my dad were saying the other day about it, that like, although it's obviously Boxing Day, people are calling for his head, there's not been a Parkinson's Red and White Army chant being, have gone up yet. You know, are, are people still on the fence with him? I'll pass over to Martin, actually. They'll get, sorry, let you have a little bit. I don't think he is getting the credit he deserves, but I think that's probably um, because of the horrendous start he had. Um, and I think while he has done, the team's done really, really well since Boxing Day, we, we had that horrendous run of 12 or 14 games or whatever it was at the start of his, his reign. I think one of the things that I, I was really critical of Jack Ross in his time here was that he... Um, he didn't set a real style of play. He didn't set a real formation. He didn't have a settled team. Parkinson's done that. If if that's that style of play, I think that the style of play he's put in, it's actually quite reminiscent of the Peter Reid era, where we're on the front foot, we're in people's faces, we're closing people down, and you know we, we have got a bit of attacking intent from from the wings. Obviously, a different formation to what um, the, the Peter Reid team was. But I think Parkinson does deserve a lot of credit for, for what he's done. I think, obviously, the proof will be um, over the next month or two. We've got some big games coming up. And, you know, if, if we can keep this run going, he's given us a chance of, of automatic promotion, which um, on Boxing Day, I thought was a, would be a wild fantasy. Well, I say Boxing Day, I think we were, you know, we were, the only way we were going to get out of League One was by going to League Two. Um, yeah. You know, we was in a real sorry state of affairs, and I think you say fair. I think fair play to him. The guys, it must have been horrendous for him. You know, and he's only human to be sat, you know, on the touchline that the crowd singing, you know, get out of our club, singing for Kevin Phillips, and he has, you know, he has dug in. He's got his game plan going, and I, so I think full credit to him. But as you say, you know, proof is in the pudding. You know, we do need to obviously get promoted, but at the moment things are going the right way, and yeah, let's let's sort of be positive about it. One thing a few people sort of came out and said, um, going on saying about the Rochdale game yesterday, and um, uh, Michael, I'll jump on you for this one, was obviously 3-0 up at half-time, coasting. What do you want us to do after half-time? Do you want us to push for more goals? Were you happy that we sort of sat back, took off the gas a little bit? What would you like to have seen happen yesterday? Like it's, it's a hard one, really, isn't it? Because obviously you, you, want, to, you want to keep going the way you are, but... I think it's just natural psychologically between it up. You just put your foot off the gas even 5-10% and if every player is doing that, it does make a difference. I mean, obviously, we had a really good start yesterday. You nearly think in positions like that, the way it's been going lately, you know, Parkinson's been keeping the same team for week in, week out. Like, I think he's only made maybe what one or two changes in the last five, six weeks. I mean, it's only between Lynch and Flanagan really in defence that's been changing. Last night, it probably could have been a good opportunity for him to make a couple of changes. I actually was expecting him to make a few changes to the starting lineup from the start because, you know, he's he's bought a few players in, he's scouting scouting even even Lafferty, like I, I expected Lafferty to start last night. So I was thinking maybe I saw we were training up. I was expecting him to maybe bring Lafferty on and scouting and maybe even what more or someone just for game time. Because in fairness Parkinson said today those lads are really chomping at the bit and it's only the fact that the lads who are in the starting lineup at the moment have really upped to the level that it's just it's just so hard to get into the team at the moment. But I think he could have really maybe he's a bit he's very slow to make changes. Even on Saturday when we were we were drawing, I was just like, who is he going to bring on? It was it was 67, 68 minutes I think when he brought Lafferty on, and obviously within two minutes he scored. But you have to give him credit for that; he made the right decision. But maybe sometimes he can be a little bit slow to make 
substitutions. That's just something I've noticed over the last few weeks. But really, I'm clutching at straws because we, I can't complain. We're playing so well at the moment. No, and that I say that is the difficult thing. It's um, because I was saying I watched that yesterday. I, I said at, at half time, I'd have brought on three of the new lads. You know, I'd love to see Scowan come on, Semenyo, and again Lafferty up front, just to give them that game time because we're going to need them. You know, throughout the rest of this season, these lads are going to be coming in at some point. Um, obviously, Maguire came off with an injury. It didn't. I think at the time it looked. I mean, I've been playing up to it a little bit, um, but it, it looked worse. So it's probably a bit of a dead leg, but. There's no sort of fears. Yeah, that leg for the yeah. There's no, there's no fears for the weekend. So, um, Paul, yourself, where, where do you sort of sit on this? Are you, yeah. are you sort of happy with yesterday, or would you? I say it's hard to say were you happy because we won three 0 So obviously, obviously happy. But yeah. we do, like, we've been extra critical, for, you know, for, for the sake of it. So. Yeah, I think when it gets to sixty minutes and you're three 0 up, you should be making two changes. Maybe leave one spare in case someone gets injured. But when our two key players, Gooch and Maguire, quite. I don't know if you'd call them injury prone, but they've yeah they've had their injuries in in the past. Yeah, you should be thinking about making more changes to rest them legs, especially when we've got a a lone striker who, in my opinion, is very ineffective. Let's see what Laffer can do with you know thirty thirty five minutes. In my opinion, yeah, maybe maybe we're nitpicking, but to me it's just it's just common sense, especially when we've got a game a big away game on Saturday as well. Yeah, the, the, game, the games are coming. They they come thick and fast in this league, aren't they? It's literally yeah. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday most of the time. So, so yeah. I would I would sort of I would make some changes. Martin looking ahead though for for Saturday, I think realistically he's going to make this keep the same eleven. But would you tweak anything at all? Oh look, I think he he will keep the same eleven. I think it's um it's fairly predictable now. I actually think it's like a bit of a throwback to when us. Started and probably when we all started watching football because you, you can name the the starting eleven without um, a great yeah. deal of difficulty. I I'd probably keep the same team. I think I think I would definitely have made changes on Tuesday. I would have given as as the, the other lads have said, given the um, some new boys some some game time. I would have certainly took Dobson off at half time on Tuesday because he's on nine bookings. I think I would have just made sure he was um, available for Saturday. But he got through that game without. Uh, yellow card so he, he is available so yeah unchanged team for me I think the only one I, I agree with what Paul said about Charlie Wyke really I, I think he's um, he's not effective in terms of goal threat he obviously adds something to the the overall play but you know Lafferty's performance at Portsmouth in the second half where he had a chance it was probably our worst 45 minutes for a few months he didn't do himself any favours there was nothing that he showed on on that performance, that he should be getting the game anytime soon. So, yeah. I um, I think unchanged size. In White's defence, and, and sort of almost playing devil advocate um, a little bit, for the, I think it was Gucci's foot, my stream that I was watching, I missed both the first and third goal of the game. So, I don't know which way around this was. <laughs> I, think well, I missed was, the second, so we had a we had a full house there. Probably. Yeah, we missed them all, <laughs> between the pair of us. Um, Maguire, I think it was crosses it in, and the defenders focusing on White, who sort of drags him. So Gooch then slips in and's out of side foot into the corner. So I think he does have a job, White, of you know defenders. Even if he's down there on the side, maybe I'm sort of you know giving him credit. Here, yeah, well, you know, but he is a handful for defenders. Defenders do want to you know have to keep an eye on him for crosses going into the box. Yeah, so he has got a purpose, I, I believe. Can I just say something about Wyke I noticed on Saturday? For a chap who's the size of him, the height of him, he doesn't win a, a, nowhere near enough headers in the air, like from kickouts or long balls coming into him. 
he I think he spends more time trying to back into defenders and winning free kicks than actually using his physicality yeah. and winning knocking balls on because there were so many times on Saturday that he was backing in, dropping to the ground, looking for free kicks instead of actually just using his physique and getting in there and getting stuck in. And I think he just like if he's going to do that, I'd rather him off the pitch to be honest and put Lafferty in. Someone who probably would spend more time actually being more of an aerial threat. I think Wyke is he's just not doing enough for me at the moment to really start. That's just my opinion anyway. Yeah, it's all about opinions. <laughs> and I was like, I was just trying to give some balance to it. If anything, we're all having a go at it. We keep winning games, so sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're fine, mate. You're fine. And as we've obviously taken on the uh, extra responsibility, our man John Stacey is catching up with George Ellick. George is everywhere. He's on NTT Twenty Pod, The Athletic. He's um, he's on Sky Sports, Radio Five Live. Plus, for this weekend, he's an Oxford fan. So uh, I'll pass you over to John. I'm John Stacey, and I'm here previewing the Oxford United match, joined on the line by George Ellick, a massive Oxford United fan from the Not the t- Top 20 po- podcast, easy for you to say, <laughs> and the Athletics Sewing Up Going Down part. George, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, so we'll get cracking straight away, straight into it. Oxford, 10th in the league at the moment, going through a bit of a rocky patch. Following from what can only be said is a pretty awesome couple of months, really. October, November, you kind of won almost every game, then a bit of a dodgy December um, with the cup distractions, probably. But in the last six, you've only won one. I guess, really, straight away, I want to get your thoughts on how things are going at present, really, for Oxford. Mainly looking, I mean, my personal perception of it is losing your two better performers in Fosu Henry and Baptiste in the January window. But what's your thoughts on how it's going at the minute? It, I mean, it's hard to be particularly positive, given, I mean, as you've said, the league form is, is pretty poor. Good to get a, a very late equaliser at Burton, but realistically kind of picking up the odd draw here and there when you're pushing for, for a playoff place isn't great. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago or kind of four weeks ago or so, we were coming second in the league. And I think people were pretty positive that we were going to be at least challenging for automatics with, play, with the kind of playoffs to fall back on. So yeah. definitely, definitely tricky. I mean, you, you touched on the cup run and that has undoubtedly had a, had a massive effect on this season because our league form was so good. And then we just have to play so many matches. We had Steve Bruce, a man who I assume isn't too popular with the listeners and <laughs> maybe not too popular with Oxford fans either. Um, yeah. After the uh, the replay where he came out and said it was, you know, it was the worst thing, the last thing his team needed. And, and Carl Robinson mm. made the point afterwards saying, well, actually, we've already played 10 games more than the season and we've got another nine games to come in February. So, yeah, you know, the, the fixture congestion has certainly played its part. You mentioned Fosu and, and Baptiste and losing them has certainly impacted us but what I would say is that the league form had already started to sail off before they left Fosu mm. wasn't in great form when he did leave as well so it would be it would be easy for us fans to, to blame that for, for the current run of results but I think it's only probably played a small part interesting really you touched on like the poison chalice of like a cup run and stuff like that and we've had a, f- a few obviously cup runs over the last couple of seasons especially last season with the checker trade so I can totally sympathise with how it affects mm. the league form a little bit although I'm certainly not putting our uh, status <laughs> in league one still being down to the checker trade because it's more than that but touching on kind of losing Baptiste and Fosu there wasn't really any significant major transfer activity in over the January window. There was a couple of loans and Liam Kelly came in, which I think is a quality player. But mm. um, Carl Robertson's kind of openly said when he lost those two players that like the squad is definitely weakened with them. The start of the season, and, and like you've alluded to, Oxford, you know, they looked really great. And, and for me, I was thinking they were going to be challenging this year. Yeah. Um, 
with losing Fosu and him being kind of, I was just looking at the stats doing a bit of homework before, him being one of the <coughs> sort of main scorers actually from midfield. He was in double figures. Yeah. How, how do you feel like the rest of the season is looking following on from the January transfer window and, and what have you? Yeah, I think people at the club would say that if you flip the window and Baptiste and Fosu left on the 1st of January and we brought in Liam Kelly, Marcus Brown, Nathan Holland on the 31st of January, people wouldn't have been so upset. And there's probably some truth to that. Um, Marcus Brown is a quality player. Uh, he yeah. was, uh, we had him last season. You might remember he was the one who Max Power tripped on the halfway <laughs> line at the Stadium of Light. So he yeah, off in that yeah. game. Uh, but he he's a guy who personally, I mean, obviously Tariq Foster is our player and Marcus Brown's on loan. But if he offered me uh, either one of them for the rest of the season, I would take Brown w- without question. Mm. Um, Holland is, is a bit of an unknown quantity on loan from West Ham. He's a player that West Ham fans seem to be very keen on, but but yet to really see the best of him. He scored a very good goal in that, in that Newcastle replay. Mm. So in terms of looking forward, I think, and the January transfer window, whilst losing Baptiste and Foster is a big blow, I think Oxford fans are, are, are more disappointed that we didn't replace Chris Cadden, who's a right. player who, who was linked to, to Sunderland as well yeah. as Oxford in the summer. And he was an attacking right back. He played on the right-hand side of midfield yeah. for Motherwell and, and for Scotland. And we brought him in and played him at right back. And he was a very, very creative outlet for us down that right-hand mm. side. And we haven't replaced him. Um, Sam Long is playing right back, who's a, who's a more defensive-minded player. And Josh Ruffles, our left back, is also more defensive-minded. So that has been, I would say, the, the big area where we've struggled to create chances where we used to have such a good outlet. And that is probably the area where, looking forward, looking ahead to the season, I mean, if we can keep Matt Taylor fit, who's a quality striker at League One level, if we can film, you know, if Marcus Brown can fill Tariq Foster's boots, then we should be OK. But we've really lost a bit of a bit of spark and... and you know, playing against a side with a fly- with one flying fullback is a much harder proposition than playing against one with a, with a, with a flat back four. And at the moment, that's the switch that we've made. We're obviously playing the wing backs at the moment, and, and it, it really does feel like we either have one playing amazing for two or three games in a row, and, and the other one mm. completely invisible, or or we, <laughs> we kind of have we kind of have them both doing really well going forward, but then they can't defend, and you kind of can't get the consistency. So although you're kind of worried about that, perhaps you never know, they'll surprise you and they'll start coming forward and, and bombing Fingers forward. Fingers crossed, really yeah. yeah. If, Sam, if Sam Long can suddenly become a £1 million right back, I'll be very surprised, but, but hopefully you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's it. I mean, so, so you touched on Marcus Brown. I mean, he, was he former West Ham or something? Yeah, he was, yeah. So he was alone from West Ham last year and then, and then Borough picked him up. Right, yeah, that's right. Um, so, would it be him, or would you rate another player, perhaps, that is the kind of key linchpin for the rest of your season going forward? I know Matty Taylor's scored a few, and what have you. So, I think I think ta- Taylor staying fit is probably the most important thing to our season because the other options up front are either Jamie Mackey, who yeah. for all of, for all of his antics doesn't really belong up front for a League One side. You've got Dan Adji who scored on midweek, but he's you know he's a raw talent who hasn't seen much first team action. So if, if if Taylor's not fit, as we saw, I mean Taylor wasn't fit during January, and that and that's when our form really started to nosedive. And and I think, you know, we were linked to Will Grigg in January. I think the club tried very very hard to bring in just another body, so that if 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 Taylor was out, there was another another striker who at least had some kind of goal scoring um, pedigree at some stage in his yeah. career. Uh, so I think that's pretty crucial. The other player, I mean, two players in the field who I who I'd point out as well. Cameron Brannigan is a is a player who'll who'll move on in the summer, irrespective of what happens to us. Yeah. Um, he's he's kind of the next one off the supply line, destined for destined for the top. And he yeah. he's come back from injury and not been himself um, since he came back. So him returning to form is is another crucial one. And then Alex Alex Gorin, who came through, yeah. I think, at Sunderland, slipped through the net. Uh, he's mm. 
kind of the, un, the unsung hero um, in the middle of the park. He's, I mean, he's so combative in midfield that basically whenever he gets booked, Carl Robinson looks to take him off pretty quickly because you know that the second yellow card isn't far away. I've seen that with him. I've seen when when you, I think I think he came off in a game. It might have been something I was just catching in the highlights or something, but he came off in the 20th minute or something. Yeah, thinking, yeah, exactly. That's definitely a tactic because <laughs> we know that he's got a bit of a hot headlight. But Yeah, that's it. That's it. So I think those two midfield, uh, especially with Baptiste gone. And then, and then, I mean, there are a couple of others. Rob Dickey is another one who'll, who'll move on probably in the summer, a uh, centre-back. And then, and then James Henry's probably the other guy who's been, you know, he's been with us for three years and he's not the quickest, but he's a very, very intelligent footballer who can play mm. either on the right-hand side of a midfield three or he can play kind of on the on the right-hand side of the front three. And he's uh, he's an intelligent player. He doesn't have that yard of pace. I don't think he ever really has, to be honest. But he's one of those guys who you really miss him when he's not there, but he should be fit for Saturday. Cameron Brannigan, was he Liverpool or...? What? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was Liverpool. Again, another football manager youth player that I remember <laughs> playing it a, a few yeah. seasons ago, maybe. But yeah, no, it seems that quite a lot of, I guess, rejects is a hard word, but sort of like youth youth players that kind of from the Premier League drop down to League One sides. And if they've a decent club format for them, they do pretty well and they, they build their way back up. And we've seen quite a lot of that recently. So um, yeah, interesting you brought up Brannigan. It's certainly when I've seen Oxford play in the past, especially against us, he's looked like one of your better players. So Yeah, I, th- um, I think that's, that's an interesting thing. I mean, as you guys as a fa- as fans of Sunderland coming into a league you probably hope you'd never see again mm-hmm. i would say as like a as a neutral your recruitment strategy has been kind of <laughs> yeah the the opposite of what it should be yeah, um, exactly. because i mean even up to the window i mean I, I i don't really care what he does from here on in there are so many players you could have signed ahead of Carl Lafferty that would make more financial sense and more yeah. business sense in yeah. terms of you, you should be you know the way that oxford is run and the way that other teams like coventry run mm. is if you bring in a player it should be with the intention of of him going up in value in in his time with the club and therefore improving the team and hopefully making some money out of it. Yeah, um, I, think, I think there's a lot of factors that that go into play with that, obviously, and we don't know the full ins and outs. But I think, from my opinion and looking at it, it, it's that weird kind of horrible stigma of a big club mentality. You know, we we you know should we be looking at youth rejects from the Premier exactly, League? Really, exactly. we should be looking for big name players in league. Who's who's a big name player? You know, in this league, and and that's why we've made the mistakes we have with Will Grigg and and people like that. And mm. I, almost, almost, I know it's taken him a while to to get going, but Charlie White is down that line where at least he was a player who had his career in front of him and yeah. had done better below. And and he's someone who probably does have resale value if if you can kind of keep him fit and firing. Um, yeah. but, the, but the interesting thing for us is, is as well, is that you've got Dave Jones now as your, you know, one of your directors. And he was very much involved at Oxford when the recruitment strategy was implemented that we would look to kind of technically gifted players coming out of academies who either weren't going to make that step up into the first team or were just desperate to get out and play first team football. So he's yeah. got he's got experience of doing that, and, and he's someone that that I know. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure when he's involved with the club, will probably look to adopt at least part of your recruitment strategy being along those lines. I hope so. I mean, I've seen you know a lot of people kind of have ne- these negative sort of spins on these people that were involving with the club. You know, big fans. You know, and and when he when he sort of announced he was non-exec director, I think I think there was a few sort of iterations and like people going off on one really about the fact that he's just a Sky Sports presenter. You know, he's just <laughs> yeah. And it's like you know, if you do a little bit of digging, you can find out more. And actually, from my perspective, because I know he's a fan anyway, I've actually just. You know, it sounds really stupid, really, but seen online on his social media and stuff, the amount of effort he puts in for his actual day job, he mm. knows a lot about the clubs. He knows a lot about the players at the clubs he has to. Otherwise, he doesn't look like 
he knows what he's doing in his day job. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. If he, can, exactly. if he can bring that to the club and he can look at, like you say, if he can look implement a recruitment strategy knowing contacts in the game, then how can that not be a benefit to us? You know, it's not just a figurehead, a name kind of thing. It's and those, and those contacts, it. those contacts are important. I mean, I remember, yeah. I mean, one summer when, when we lost Michael Appleton, we were, I think, pretty close to appointing Frank Lampard as our manager. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, for, yeah. for, for Dave being on our, on our board. And, you, know, you can scorn all you want at being mates with those kind of people, but now you know, Frank Lampard's currently manager of, of the team with the best youth development in, in, in the country. So mm-hmm. if he can implement, if he can use the, that relationship at all to help Sunderland, which I'm sure he probably will, then that can only be a good thing. I mean, these having contacts in a game, especially for a lower league club, I mean, yeah. you know, Dave will bring a lot of stuff with him, including experience and, mm-hmm. and like a, a, a massive drive to make Sunderland successful, but you can't. You can't um, underestimate how important those kind of contacts might be. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, um, just going back got, to the game. Got off topic a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine, it's absolutely fine. Just going back to the game Saturday, we talked about Gorin. I believe he's suspended, isn't he, on Saturday? I've yes, I think he's racked so. up a load of yellow cards, which isn't yeah. If he got, I think if he got booked yesterday, then he, then he will be, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's good for us in a way. But um, and Liam Kelly's injured, I believe, as well. So it's even better. But with regards to that, and talking about the players you've been you've been sort of chatting about already, but what would be the one, two, three, however many you want to sort of put out there is the people who might trouble us on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I'd say Brown probably top. Um, yeah. Just because he is someone on his day. I mean, I've I've said on the podcast before that even though Jonathan Woodgate starting to do a better job at, at Middlesbrough. I mean, I, if, if he doesn't think that Marcus Brown can improve that side, then I have literally no faith in him whatsoever because mm-hmm. there's no way he should be playing in League One. And there's, there's no way that a club who are struggling in the bottom half of the championship should be allowing him out on loan in January um, because he has a bit of everything. You know, he's quick, he's skillful, he's very aggressive. I mean, he is not a winger who just gets fouled. He, he gives it back um, just as good as he gets. But he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's someone who... You know, we all know there's a kind of a clutch of players probably at this level who, when they're really at it, um, are yeah. pretty much unplayable. And and he was that the other day against Blackpool um, when he played as a kind of a false nine. And and he, you know, he he wasn't very good as well uh, when we played against Newcastle. But he's someone who, on his day, can really change a game. Um, so I'd say him. Uh, I'd say Taylor because he's uh, just a, a proper finisher and a proper penalty box striker who does offer you. He's an intelligent footballer as well. He can drop deep and. And be very effective in in that final third as well. He's not just just a Will Grigg who who doesn't do anything else outside. Not the, <laughs> not not the Grigg does much for you inside either. Um, and then and then I'd have to say I'd have to say um, well I have to say Rob Dickey probably because of Brannigan's struggles at the moment. Um, he's mm. a, a centre back who, uh, as I say, he's he's improving very very quickly. And mm. he he's someone who I mean I, I went to go and speak to Carl Robinson ahead of the Man City game. Mm. Uh, and Carl said to me that he reckoned he had five players who play in the Premier League, and he said he reckons Dickie will play for England. Really and is. and everything you know, everything that Carl says should probably come with a with a little bit of salt. Um, <laughs> just yeah, a pinch. Been, just a pinch. Been one, he's been one of them low league managers that, that loves the superlative every now and then, a sort of exactly. Line. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it says a lot. I mean, he's someone who's worked with um, Delhi Ali at MK Dons, yeah. as, he, as he likes to say, and, and Adam Adelukman at, at, at Charlton as well. And he he quite clearly holds Dickie in, in pretty high regard as well. So he's um. Yeah, he's someone to look out for. I don't know if he'll cause, he won't cause you trouble at <laughs> no. centre-back, but he, he hopefully will, will, will stop you from causing us any trouble. <laughs> yeah, he might kick Charlie White a few times. Yeah, exactly. Ideal. <laughs> so, last, so, last time we played each other, excluding the 
tin pot cup fixture, which I'll try and forget really. Yeah, it's ignore a bit it. Of a horrific game that one. It was the first game of the season we played. We seem to always play you early in the season. Um, fair to say, a lot's changed for both teams since. What do you remember about that game? How different do you think Oxford are now compared to when we played you the first game of the season? That was a massive game for us because there wasn't much positivity going into that game ahead of the season. I think we hadn't finished our business yet. We hadn't got Taylor in. And I think that game set a, a very different tone um, yeah. because suddenly we, I mean, as, as, as far as Oxford fans and we were concerned, we were the better side that day. And not for the first time, we felt like we, you know, we deserved uh, to come away with three points from the stadium of light and ended up mm. as ever. You know, it's always one all between us, uh, four in a row. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think, and, you know, I was someone who had been fairly vocal in my criticism of Jack Ross as well. And it was, also, as a neutral, it was a sign that things hadn't really changed and that lessons hadn't really been learned in the summer mm, um, mm. by important by the most important people at, at Sunderland, whether that's the owner or the, or the manager. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a pretty. I think it was quite a telling first game of the season for both sides, and and it definitely set the tone for for the end of, of Ross's reign. And it yeah. definitely, I, I think, if you turned up and beat us, you know, two or three that day, it would have been very hard to pick ourselves up. But I remember, you know, the the, the positivity and the optimism that came out of it was. Um, was pretty important to the way we, we started our season. I've seen that a lot recently. I've seen kind of teams that you think might struggle against us and we've kind of gifted them a draw or even a, even a win. You know, they, they tend to go on a bit of run afterwards. And I think I totally echo what you said there. You know, I felt the same with our result in a sense of this is kind of like definitely telling of what's going to happen over the next couple of months with regards mm. to Ross leaving, being sacked and, and kind of the struggles that we were going through. We're trying to sort of narrow down what we we're actually going to be doing tactically. And yeah, it was a bit... It he was changed a, for about 30, 30 minutes by playing Elliot Embleton and then yeah. panicked and then yeah. binned him off to reserves again. <laughs> Which was just really insane because, you know, everybody who knows anything about the lads, he needs a bit of consistency, he needs a bit of an yeah. arm at him and, Unbelievable. and he's a quality player. Yeah, it's very strange. But anyway, let's move on from that one. <laughs> enough, enough about Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm gonna gonna go off on a bit of a tangent. Actually, we, I kind of really wanted to pick your brains a little bit with your sort of lower league sort of nous and your expertise on it. I'm sure you've spoken about this before, but with us, with Sunderland, kind of seemingly not fulfilling expectations that everybody has on us to to dominate the league. What what do you think's missing with us? What do you think we need to do or change, or are we doing it? Are we on the right track? I think I think you're getting there. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, that Parky's turned it around because at least in him you've got a manager who I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you stay by him, I mean, I know a lot of a lot of Sunderland fans, despite the re- recent good form, are still um, not completely sold. But I think yeah. having a guy who has achieved promotion out of this division with far far less in terms of resource um, is is really important. Um, mm. And and he's someone who, you know. I, the style of football has been a concern in the past, but it feels like that hasn't really been an issue so far with you guys. You're, you're pretty free scoring at the moment. And I think naturally football fans are of, a, of an ilk where if, if you're scoring lots of goals and you're winning mm. lots of games, the style of football sometimes takes a bit of a backseat, no matter what we like to think. So, Absolutely. I mean, and, and I mentioned, I mean, I think the recruitment has been, has been pretty poor. Um, even players who I, I think have come in and done well, like I, I think that getting... Signing 32-year-old Joel Lynch was a, was a pretty interesting move again, where I know he's dropped down a level, but he's someone who, re- realistically, you're probably going to have to move on in, in 18 months or a year or so. Yeah. Um, I'm, I much prefer the signing of Bailey Wright, um, yeah. who, who's a guy who is a good age and, and is probably mm. playing now below his level. He's been a consistent performer in the league above 
so yeah, and I think you're starting to see, you know, Denver Hume's emergence has obviously been very positive. Dobson's a, a really good signing who I think is starting to show his worth now as well after a difficult start. So I think you're getting there. I think yeah. you're, you know, whether or not this season is going to be the one is probably like last season. It'll be a toss of a coin. You're probably going to have, I mean, unless you maintain this run and can force your way into the top two, you're probably going to be in the lottery of the playoffs. Mm. Um, I'd probably argue that if you were to go up in, in you know, in a year's time, you'd probably be in a better position to 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 do better in 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 the championship. We've seen it so yeah. many times with with sides who who bounce back up when then maybe they're not quite you know well set. Look at Wigan who are probably set to return back to League One for the you know the third yeah, yeah. time in five yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think this is a much better side um, than the one mm. you had this time last year. Um, now that you're not reliant on a pretty destructive character in Aidan McGeady. He's yeah. obviously a, a big positive, um, yeah. and I'm and I'm delighted that Oxford legend Chris Maguire is back amongst the goals. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris Maguire's doing well. He's 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 ever ever the inconsistent, but I mean he's he's obviously like, like similar to what you were talking about, Marcus Brown. On his day, he's unplayable. You know, he he's got some great skills to him. But I think yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying there with a lot of the points you've made. I think more than anything, I think that our concern is that at the, end, at the end of the season, if we do get promoted, we've got a lot of people on short-term contracts or contracts. Yeah. We've got a lot, of, a lot of people who are being high paid, etc. still. And it's kind of, you know, there's a little bit of talk around the sort of um, the houses really about if we even were to get promoted, who the hell's going to be in our squad, you know, and where's mm. this investment coming from in order to get that. So yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of worry about it, but but no, it's 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 nice to see that, you know, from people on the outside are looking at it and seeing that we are turning it around at least a little bit for now and, and there's positives coming out of it because there's it, certainly a bit more positive feeling about the club. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of like, a, you know, if you've got players, you know, 09, Willis, Gooch, these are all guys who are, if it's with Sunderland or not, are probably, you know, going to make the step up fairly soon given the way yeah. they're progressing and the age they are. So that's a, that's mm. got to be a positive position you're in, unlike last season where there weren't really that, that, I mean, I know that O'Neill was there, but there wasn't really that that core. So it feels to me like you're in a better position as a club, and and I know that the relationship with the with the owner has taken a massive hit in the last twelve months. Um, mm. But on the pitch, at least, it, it does feel like you're in a bit in a better spot. If you compare it to last season, the guys who are your crucial players now are the right kind of guys. They're the guys yeah. who, who are on their way. You know, the trajectory is upwards rather than you know yeah. 33, 33 year old wingers who yeah. are still on 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 you know big big uh, big wages. I think that's the big thing that's changed, you know, like you say, those those people, the core of the team has changed and I think Parky's done that and uh, we've got to give him credit for it regardless of what happens really. But yeah, final thing then, I won't keep you much longer, um, we always do a score prediction, what do you think for Saturday, how do you think it's going to go? It has to be one all, I can't, I can't, I can't not <laughs> predict one all. Not another one all, <laughs> not another one. I mean, I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all um, if it is one all. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're two sides who... A fairly solid at the back. I mean, that I would say with the Peterborough result, um, given you know we lost four 0 to a team who, I think Peterborough in their current guise are the best team we've seen in the league this season. Yeah. And we went there four days after playing 120 minutes against yeah. Premier League sides. Um. So even when Jordan Thompson was sent off in that game at two 0 I had absolutely no expectation of us, um, coming back into it, and, and we lost mm. it four 0 So I, I'd probably put a line through that result, if not the other poor result. And yeah. If you if you put a line through that, it's been even when we've been poor, we we, we haven't been well beaten by anyone. Um, mm. So I'd say it'll be fairly tight, and uh, yeah, I'll say one all and one point. Are you going to go for any scorers or? Uh, well, Mags never never turns up against us, which is yeah, which is uh, probably <laughs> gonna, pr- probably going to change one day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would it would it would break my heart to see him scoring, and I, I'd 
I just hope he wouldn't try and goad us because he's my favourite ever player. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'll say not anyone but Maguire and um, and Marcus Brown for us. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and break the mould of the one all. Um, okay, and sort of shoot for the positive two one to us. I think. Ooh, okay. I think I think basically we're we're you know we're we're coming off a a three nil. We've got um, goals coming, but. I think, like you say, you are you guys are hard to break down. So to get two would be a bit of a struggle. But I think we'll get there. I think, and I think honestly, I think we're difficult. We're very difficult to break down. Our defence has been really good. Lots of clean sheets at the moment, except for the Portsmouth game, which we'll draw a line under. But yeah. uh, draw a line through. But um, I, I, again, you know, listening to you then, and 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 as I say, doing the research leading up to, to chatting to you today, I did look at the kind of attacking players and. With, despite looking at stats and goals, which I'm, I love all the stats and, and kind of all the stuff you can get these days around the science of football. But more than anything, you know, like you say, the unpredictability of someone like Marcus Brown. Looking at our players might just be our undoing a little bit. So, so yeah, I think you'll definitely nick one. Um, but I'll go with 2-1 just to try and be positive since since we're on record court <laughs> yeah, right now. Fair enough. I kind of can't go down I feel like I should have said 2-1 as well now. <laughs> no, I'll keep it at one all. I think when we when we spoke, um, I did this last year with Roka, and I, and I said one all there, and I got it right. So yeah, I'll stick to my guns. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Thanks, George. Thanks for your time. No um, worries, mate. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed that it's a it's an enjoyable day for all. Anyway, yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I hope that the weather forecast is absolutely terrible. So safe journey down for everyone, and hopefully the game's on and you haven't all left yeah. only to yeah, find out that it's thing, off. Yeah. But, Storm Dennis because, or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it looks absolutely horrific. So and I went to we played Ipswich during not not Storm Kira, the one before that, whatever that was called. And it was mm. it was nearly abandoned halfway through and it was nil nil and basically the team had a shot because there's a, it's a wind tunnel without with only three stands. So look forward yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, with that if that is on then with that weather it could be a nil nil all over it with yeah. nothing able to be done and in a horrible game to watch and, and exactly. Play. So, yeah. Perfect. What a way to spend a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Thanks, George. I'll um, I'll let you go. Thanks very much. Mate. Okay, mate. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. John Stacey there talking to George Olek. Have we got any score predictions for Saturday? What's going to happen? I might sneak a 2-1. I'm going for 2 I'm going this weekend. I'm going for 2-1. Yeah, 2-1. Um, they have, they have think... a terrible defensive record, but don't they? They're in the bad run of form. A few suspensions and injuries, I mean. But, like, we don't do things the easy way. It's generally always a... Scrappy yeah. one nil, unlike last night. Yeah, we've got two home games after this game, right? Bristol Rovers next Saturday, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got Fleetwood. Yeah, and then, yeah. then it's, it's yeah. Coventry way after that. Saturday will tell us whether we're going to go up or not. If we win on Saturday, that's going to give everybody a bit of confidence that we are really heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah it's good momentum at the moment. We just need to keep it going. That's right. Three three nil. What's, what's your <laughs> predictions? Actually, I didn't finish. What's your predictions? For the end of the season, but as of now, what, what do you think? Well, so, like one, one at a time. So, like Martin, where, where do you think we're going to end up end of the season? Right now, I think playoffs. In a month's time, I might think differently. I think the the Oxford game and the Coventry game, especially, are going to really tell us if we if we have enough to go up automatically. I think that that bad run when Parkinson first came in might hamper our automatic chances. Um, but nobody's running away with it. Like, ever. Nobody's really steaming ahead. I think if you look at the average points per game that teams are accumulating, nobody's kind of nailing it in the minute. So any team that's going to go in a good run of form between now and um, the end of the season, who's currently in the top seven race, it'll, it'll go up, I think. So I'm going to hedge my bets and say playoffs. But yeah, I think the, the Coventry game and what we do in between now and then will determine where we finish. Okay, you're going to play. Paul, where, where do you think you're going to finish? I've got a sneaky feeling we're going to win at Wembley, you know which is mental. 
I've just got this. Oh, that that means I'm gonna have to fly over. Sort of like <laughs> Netflix sort of series three, sort of Parkinson, sort of villain to hero. I think we give ourselves too much to do from like Boxing Day onwards, really. So I, I, I would take I would take a Wembley playoff final right now. Then playoffs and Michael. I'm, I'm actually quietly confident we're gonna we're gonna nab that second position. But as the lads are saying, the next few weeks are really important. But like to be fair, because we've had such a terrible run. Uh, just before Christmas and up to Christmas, every game is vital now. Like we, we actually can't really go into any game, and and it's not a must win, you know. Like it's just the way it's gone for us. But I think we have the squad, and I was even, yeah, Luke O'Neill and Denver Hume came into the business lounge after the game, and they were talking about just like how they're so confident going into every game now, and they just they feel that they're fitter than every team. They think they'll run every team into the ground. And they were they know they'll get the results, but that kind of inspired me with a bit yeah. of confidence. But I, I I genuinely think the the automatics are up for grabs. I think Portsmouth are the best team in the league. They'll probably win it out, but I think it's second place is there for the taking if we really want it. Yeah, I, I think we'll do second. I think we'll go up automatically. Um, I don't want the playoffs again. <laughs> don't want yeah. another. No way. No way. <laughs> but Wembley's just rubbish. I don't, I don't want to go back to Wembley. Yeah, lower of average. It would be nice, nice to win there, wouldn't it? It would be nice oh, to win. Yeah. We've got win there at we some point. We don't win yeah. at Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like uh, England penalty shootouts. Like, lower of averages, you've got to win one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I'd rather just yeah. avoid it if you can. <laughs> Me and Paul will see you at Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still going. Don't go wrong. I'm still going. I'm getting I'll still go. All right, moving on into our favourite game of playing away. Now, um... We all know the rules by now, so I won't go through them as, as I usually do. But um, winner gets two points, um, and at some point we'll catch up and find out who's actually leading this thing. Um, and I think actually Paul and Martin, I think you both have won previously, haven't you? Yeah, I've got I've yeah. So I was, uh, yeah. So you're both. You're going to be the big question, Brett. Is um, the big question is have have you got a duck quack to signify that we've got 15 seconds? Uh, no, I haven't got a duck quack. Um, I, I enjoyed Rich's duck quack on the last one. I, I like leaving it you lot hanging and having to feel dead <laughs> air and trying and certain people over talking and giving games away. <laughs> are, are, are you doing Won't be me, well? would it? Won't be me, would it? <laughs> right. So today's game um, is a Valentine's special. Uh, Valentine's Day, two thousand and four. Uh, we drew one all with Birmingham City. Um, it was actually a cup game in the FA Cup. Um, we are wearing our Nike red and white kit with Reg Vardy sponsor. It's that red and white one that had the sort of like the back, lower half of the back was red. That kind of helps at all. But yeah, so Nick McCarthy is manager. We're in 2004. Martin, I'll put your name down first. So uh, I'll let you uh, give a pick. Excellent. Well, I I think this was a this was a FA Cup game. It was. Yeah. I think if I'm, I'm if I'm right in, in thinking this, I think it's the first game after Bob Stoko died. So I think there was a minute silence before the game. Wow, that and is niche. That is niche. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't get think, a point for that, unfortunately. Oh, come on. Uh, I think Kevin Kyle scored our goal. Well done. Kevin Kyle scored our goal. Good work. Wow. So, Paul, got any little facts about the game? Uh, no, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, I've got a name. Going to go with it. Uh, Dean Whitehead? Dean Whitehead was not playing that day. And just going to point out that had I gave you 15 seconds and Richard's duck quack, we wouldn't have heard that about Bob Stuckley. Yeah. So, uh, 
He's probably taking his girlfriend out Valentine's <laughs> Day. Yeah. Right. Uh, next one, then. You've got Michael Dunn. You're up, sir. Okay. 2004, Mick McCarthy. I'm not going to... I won't say any names. Of, <laughs> won't you so won't say. You sort of do have to say a name, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I won't say more than one name. It's generally what I do in this game. Um, I'll go for an Irish guy around that time. McAteer. Jace McAteer is playing. Back to you, Martin. Very good. Um, right. I I think in the replay, Tommy Smith scored for us. So I'm going to go for Tommy Smith. He was on the bench. Oh, well, there you go. That's so you, good don't, you don't lose a life under the new rules. Uh, we'd have to guess again either so, so it's up to Paul you need, a, to get, you need to get one or you're out yeah mate this is a pure sort of era for me 2003 2004 sorry 2004 uh, I'm not sure if he was playing sort of similar to Whitehead really Liam Lawrence Liam Lawrence was not playing you are uh, out uh, think, of the, think of the first person to actually drop back in any <laughs> Yeah. What, what did Bomber do it last week, actually? Do you? Really? Thank God for that. I'm sure Bomber may have done it. <laughs> yeah, right. I've got the names here, but yeah. Sorry, lads. Michael Dunn, you're up. Oh, this is tough as well. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. Uh, Carl Robinson. Carl Robinson. Wow, Carl Robinson is not playing. So you've lost a life. Uh, that was my next name, actually. So, Martin, back to you. All right, well, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Jeff Whitley. Jeff Whitley was playing. So, Michael, so far we've had uh, Jeff Whitley, Jason McAteer, Kevin Kyle and Tommy Smith named on the bench. Okay, so we have the centre... I'm trying to think of centre house we had around that stage. Austin, the Swedish lad we have. Bjork, was it Bjork, Bjorkland, is it? Yep, Joachim in Bjorkland. Bjorkland, yeah. Take, he's playing in defence. Is he playing? Oh, yeah, he's there. Oh, good, good, one. good one, that one. So, Martin. Well... At that time, another centre half, Gary Breen. Gary Breen's partner in centre back. So you've got, uh, yeah, Bjorkland and Gary Breen centre halves. Michael, you're up. I forgot an obvious one there. My favourite player at the time. Is Julio playing? <laughs> Julio Julio's Arthur. playing. Of course he is. Yeah. Julio's there. Back to Martin. Um, let's have a think. Was um, goalkeepers a toss up between two? Was it? It was Poom in goal. Poom's in goal. Back to Michael. I've only one life left. It's pretty, it's <laughs> pretty struggling. much I'm death every time you go now, Michael. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling now. So can you just give us the names there quickly. Poom's in goal. You've got Gary Breen and uh, Bjorkland in the defence. You've got Jeff Whitley, Jason McAteer, uh, Kevin Kyle and Julio Arca. Okay. Um, we had this chap on loan, I think. Was it da- you remember Darren Carter? Was he around that time? If he was, he wasn't playing. You are out. Uh, so, Martin, you've won again. So you, I, don't need a, I don't need a duck to do 15 seconds. It's doing really hard. <laughs> yeah. That's your team my was favourite sort of squad. Your, your team was. So you had Mark Poom, Stephen Wright. I'm, I'm amazed you didn't get this, Michael. George McCartney. Uh, uh, you always terrible. get the Irish ones. <laughs> I always get the Irish ones. Uh, Jeff Whitney, Gary Breen, uh, Joe Shinbjorklund. John Oster, which I thought might have Oster. been a bit of a uh, hard one. I wouldn't remember that one. Dreadful. Uh, Jason McAteer, Kevin Kyle, Marcus Stewart was the only ah, striker. Yeah. Julio Arca. And then you had um, on the bench was Ben Arwick, Darren Williams, 
your mate from uh, the weekend, uh, yeah. Paul Thurwell and Sean Thornton, and obviously Tommy Smith. Oh, we got. oh I'm raising them. We should have got at least two of those. <laughs> that was a squad. I See, that was, that was a quick one. <laughs> Right, um, moving on though, is as always, I put up when I'm on anyway, I always put a little uh, plug on Twitter, my set of questions, um, and just see what comes back. And as always, I hit gold. So, some great ones uh, that have come through. We've got still people ch- like challenging for the biggest losing runs. Um, for some reason, we don't have many people on winning streaks. It's all about like defeats for us for some reason. Um, I think though, Joe Brown could be it. Um, he's been to about 30 away games and never seen a league win. Only seen us beat Birmingham 3-0 in the Cup. Best results include a 1-1 v the Mags and a 0-0 v Burnley. <laughs> 30 away games from Joe That's some run, that mind. Just, I you did actually message him back to make sure he wasn't going to Oxford at the weekend because that's a terrible <laughs> run. That is shocking. We had another guy, Adam Reek, who's gone uh, 10 years had to wait nearly 10 years to see us win away for the second time. So on the 2007, um, he saw us beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-2. He didn't see us win again until 2016. We beat Norwich 3-0 away. It's incredible. <laughs> so, but we keep coming back. <laughs> we keep going back for more. And there was another one, Kieran Harrison. He said it was 19 games right before he actually saw his first win. So it took him, even before he even... Just started yeah. seeing the lads. 19 games to see a win. That's Derby Way 2006. Only seen us win once at a stadium alight against Bradford last year, which should not have been. I think that must have been the Boxing, Boxing Day, Day game where yeah. we had that Boxing goal. Day, yeah. it, was black. it was in, but it didn't count. So, yeah. yeah so, uh, well, and also, Kieran's like, I think all his family sort of jumped on this and reminded him how like unlucky he has been over the years. So, yeah, good, good, good uh, losing runs, I suppose, there, lads. Bringing your partner to a game, I had one for Max Balfour, who took his current long term partner to a first ga- first home game to Palace four years ago. So then, I actually forgot all about this game. 0 0 at half time. He promised her goals in the second half. After 60 minutes, we were 4 0 down. Glenn Murray turned <laughs> to Messi after the break. And I, thought, I actually looked it up. Palace scored four, uh, four goals in 14 minutes. That Belassi got a hat-trick, wasn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. That game, I must have just erased it from my memory because I had to look it up to see, like, the goals and stuff. Reason. God, it was a terrible one. Another last two was uh, meeting players in random places. Uh, Martin Wiggum uh, met Kenny Cunningham in Tesco Durham once and he's got a photo of him at the checkout. And then Bucky Brown bumped into Super Kev when he was playing for Southampton at the Fun Fair. I was wearing my stripes and he asked me if there's any hard feelings about him moving. He was a nice chap, though. But I think Kevin Phillips was quite short. And like I'm sure fun fairs are quite hard for him to go to because those height <laughs> restrictions, he's not getting on anything. <laughs> uh, that was, again, those were your letters this week. Um, please get in touch as always. I love hearing about these. There's some really good ones coming through. I have a mention as well for the Sundon ladies. Um, they are in the FA Cup on Sunday, 2pm at uh, Eppleton. If you're about, head over there, support the girls. It's um, They're doing really, really well at the moment. So, uh, yeah, we're good to have a good, good cup run from then. Fred, can I just say one thing there? Um, yeah, of course. I meant to say it earlier on. It just It's it's credit to the lads that work at Sutherland, the supporters, liaison officers, like Chris Waters, uh, James Wallace and uh, Jamie Lauder. Just to thank them on behalf of the, the Irish Supporters Club, the, the organisation for the weekend was brilliant. And I think sometimes the lads get a raw deal. You know, they're generally the ones who bear the brunt of all the abuse and on the Twitter and social media. 
but yeah, like credit where credit's due to them. They really organise a great weekend and I think they deserve more credit than what they get maybe sometimes because they do a really, really good job. Chris uh, Waters, I had, to, I had quite a lot of dealings with him when it came to um, Wembley tickets. Previously, there was an issue of my account and he was really, really helpful. Um, He's a gentleman. I was. Yeah. At one point, I had about 10 different numbers attached to my name and my kid. I've got two kids, but I had about 10 numbers attached to both of them. Wow. Um, but he was really, he was, I know he was working like weekends and stuff up until the final. He was really, really helpful. Um, you know, really, I've got, you know, so I've only dealt with my emails and stuff, but he was a really, really good guy, actually. So, okay, I think um, it's one of the best silence someone I've ever made was him, to be fair. Oh, also, actually, I'm, I'm sure you do not want to give your, um, your mate a mention, actually, after you scored your goal on Saturday about the um, half time challenge oh, last night. Was that, nice. your, was that your mate who completely. Uh, Gar- Gary's the chap who not make the guy and then fell on his face straight after. <laughs> he, he actually <laughs> stayed. He actually was going on going till Sunday, but. He was having such a good time that he, he just said, all right, I'll scrap it. I'll stay till Wednesday for the Rochdale game and then flew out from Edinburgh Brilliant. this morning. Awesome. Yeah, and Shane. Yeah. So it was, just, it was a great weekend, in fairness. It was really, really good. Like, I mean, I didn't really want to leave either, but you have to get back to reality eventually. <laughs> so I said, they'll definitely be doing it again next year. Uh, and there'll be more people there, I'd say. Yeah, it'll be absolutely massive. You, you can head over for it, Martin. Oh, I'd like to. It's... Um... It's one of those things, timing-wise, having, having been over at Christmas for a, a few weeks, it just didn't work out being so close to Christmas. But I think if it had been towards the end of um, end of the season, if it had been April or May this year, I would have um, certainly made a, made the trip over. So hopefully if there's another another one next year, I will be there. Yeah, get you on the pitch with an Australian flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll Australian push you over this time, right next year. I'll be pushing right, you over. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> make you, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right then boys I think we'll leave it there um, cool stuff. Paul thank you very Thanks, much Brett. for your time pleasure speak soon take care guys right. Martin go clean up that cat mess cheers boys I will I will I'll think of you while I'm doing it <laughs> Michael pleasure as always mate thanks mate see you later cheers take care lads cheers boys Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.